0: Recently on Sunday Extra, we spoke to the Australian who heads up the UN Relief Agency for Palestinian refugees in Gaza, and Tom White gave us a very stark portrait of conditions on the ground for the 2.1 million people in Gaza under the blockade imposed by Israel. The land, sea and air blockade has been in place for over 15 years, and it began after the military takeover of Gaza by Hamas in 2007. Today, we're going to discuss a different perspective on life in Gaza from people who've spoken out in a very striking way. The project is called Whispered in Gaza, and it's an animated series created from video testimony from Gazans who voiced their true feelings about life not so much under the blockade as under Hamas rule. Their testimony is animated to protect their identities. The animations are simple but really quite beautiful. Whispered in Gaza is an initiative of the US-based not-for-profit Centre for for Peace Communications. The centre aims to build public support for reconciliation and to foster a culture of peacemaking. Joseph Browdy is founder of the Centre for Peace Communications and he joins us now to discuss Whispered in Gaza and the response it's received. Joseph Browdy, welcome to RN. Thank you, Julian. It's a fascinating project, whispered in Gaza. Could you describe the finished product for us and also the process that went into producing these animated testimonies?
1: Well, the finished product is 25 uh, animated video clips, as you indicated, in which current residents of the Gaza Strip tell their stories. They describe their lives, their travails, their aspirations for the future, and their experience, above all, of Hamas as a governing actor. There's considerable research in Gaza, opinion polling by Palestinian polling groups, human rights work and reportage that shows that Hamas is unwanted by much of its population, that Gazans blame Hamas for starting wars with Israel it can't win and hiding in bunkers and leaving civilians to suffer the casualties. Hamas rule is a kind of a familiar corrupt dictatorship that certainly doesn't live up to the Islamic principles it claims to represent. This sort of a perspective is part of what led a thousand Gazans to demonstrate braving live ammunition and prison in 2019. And although the demonstrations were brutally suppressed, the yearning continues on the part of many Gazans to be heard by the international community. And We simply built on that. Over the course of uh, 2022, we reached out to dozens of Gazans. We interviewed them about their lives on the condition that we would not show their faces or reveal their names. And we hired a team of uh, animators, illustrators, and musicians to turn the stories they told into riveting
0: digital animation. The final product is uh, anonymized, therefore. Could you tell us a little bit, Joseph, about what steps you've taken to be able to ensure that it's possible to verify the accounts which are voiced in Whispered in Gaza?
1: By way of context, having created the clips, we subtitled them into a total of seven languages and we reached partnership agreements with media outlets in Latin America, Brazil, North America, Europe, and of course the Middle East. So in partnering with those outlets, we made the raw footage available such that Al Arabiya, which is Saudi Arabia's flagship news outlet in the Middle East, The Times of Israel, and Arab News have all reported that they authenticated all of the video material that was used establishing that indeed these are current residents of the Gaza Strip. And so we we felt it was an important step to signal to the world that it is what what it represents.
0: Mm. And what you're presented with is some really vivid portraits of individual lives in Gaza. Are there a couple that sort of spring to your mind as stories or portraits that really capture the sort of situation that you're trying to portray in Whispered in Gaza?
1: Well, obviously, there's so many, I I don't know where to start. But among the stories is the story of the Debka dancer, a woman who loves singing and dancing, and who was forced to give up her career because after the Hamas takeover in Gaza, the new rulers didn't want women to be dancing in public. And they threatened that uh, harm would come to her. And when she refused to buck to their pressure, they went and threatened her brother's there's the story of a, another woman who is a pharmacist, who is a member of Fatah, which is the political party that currently rules in Ramallah. Because she wouldn't join Hamas, they priced her out of the market. They wouldn't allow her to purchase the drugs at the same price that Hamas-affiliated pharmacists do, and made it impossible for her to run a business. And that's kind of a microcosm of the economy of Hamas. I guess another example which is so tragic but also striking, is what happened when a child with Down syndrome tried to protect the house he lived in from Hamas police that came to storm it. And he was brutalized by Hamas police officers. The neighborhood rose to his defense and tried to throw stones at the police in order to repel them. And a witness to this said it was as if we were reliving the intifada, only not against an occupying force, but against a police force that was supposed to protect us. And in many ways, that sort of captures the way so many of these people feel when they refer to the Hamas occupation of Gaza.
0: On RN, we're speaking with Joseph Browdy, founder of the Centre for Peace Communications, which has produced the project Whispered in Gaza. Joseph, you mentioned that the perspectives which are presented in Whispered in Gaza, in your view, resonate with opinion polling about what ordinary Gazans think. I wondered, given how difficult it must have been to get this testimony, how representative are the 25 voices that you've ended up presenting of the people that your project actually spoke to? How many people did you speak to overall?
1: We spoke to a total of 37 and we answer the question of how representative they are by publishing research alongside each clip that tells you exactly how representative they are in the sense of citing opinion polls where questions are asked about the same topics that are being described. So for example, it's striking when a woman in one clip says, we're forbidden to say we don't want war. But there is anonymous opinion polling conducted by Palestinian and other pollsters in which under fairly secure terms that indeed indicate that most Gazans don't want rockets to be fired from their territory. It doesn't mean they're fond of Israel. It just means they know what that rocket fire triggers and they want to take Gaza in a different direction, of development, of pragmatism. The evidence is overwhelming by much opinion polling, research, reportage, and so on, that the ideology of Hamas is not shared by the majority of the population. It's just that the statistics that have been documenting this for years are so abstract. they are things that maybe some people see out of the corner of their eyes in a report We wanted to find a way to make it vivid, to make it memorable. And it's always personal stories that achieve that.
0: I was really struck by the animation style of Whispered in Gaza, Joseph. It's a really beautiful piece. It reminded me in some ways of the public art of Banksy in the region. But what was the inspiration for Whispered in Gaza?
1: A movie, I think it's about 20 years old, called Waltz with Bashir. It was really kind of a path-breaking, full-length video animation film that was based on Israelis who were veterans of the Lebanon War, recalling their experiences, the trauma and the the grim reality of fighting that war. And so we wanted to create a sort of a Palestinian equivalent to that, the Palestinian waltz with Bashir, by hearing voices of Gazans living under Hamas rule.
0: What's the reaction been to the project, particularly In Gaza and in the region, but also more broadly?
1: In Gaza, we know that hundreds of thousands of people have watched it. In fact, the proportion of the population that's seen it is higher than anywhere in the world. Um, Over the first four weeks, five million views were registered on our platforms alone. And of course, there was considerably more via social media and elsewhere. Largest audience in the Arab world second in English-speaking countries, and Iran, interestingly, being in third place. I think the reason is that a lot of Iranian demonstrators who are protesting against the rule of the clerics there today recognize now that Gazans and others who are the beneficiaries of Iranian support are unhappy about the very same things. So there was a lot of what we consider to be positive reaction in the Arab world. People were plainly rethinking the propaganda that they had been fed by Hamas-run outlets for so many years, and uh, registering their concern, a very genuine humanitarian concern for Palestinians that distinguishes between Palestinian civilians on the one hand and the ruling Hamas clique on the other.
0: Has there been any official response from Hamas?
1: Hamas sprang into action within hours of the material being released. The first thing they did was to wage an organized bot attack on our distribution platforms on social media in an attempt to stop these materials from spreading. They did not succeed in doing that. Another thing they did, apparently simultaneously, was to bring together their own creative team to create pirated versions of these videos, where they overdubbed basically Hamas propaganda onto the cartoons that uh, we had produced to tell sort of an opposite story. So the woman who laments and describes her anxiety of sending her children to Hamas-run schools because she doesn't want them to be brainwashed, in the Hamas pirated version, is rather praising her own decision to send her children to learn to be martyrs in Hamas-run schools. It Looks like it was an attempt on their part to confuse the population about what these videos were. They did not succeed because all those videos were uh, copyright violations. And so it was possible to get them removed from the social media channels where they spread them. But I think what those actions by Hamas show is that Hamas doesn't want Gazan voices to be heard. It wants to maintain an information monopoly over the Gaza Strip and create the false perception that everybody in Gaza thinks exactly what Hamas says.
0: Mm, That's really interesting. Uh, This week, the Islamic Fatwa Council has issued what you've described as an unprecedented fatwa declaring Hamas to be illegitimate according to Islamic law. Could you tell us a little bit about that development and in particular the group, the Islamic Fatwa Council?
1: Well, it appears to be a group of senior Islamic scholars headquartered in Najaf, which is the spiritual capital of Iraq. It's chaired by a Grand Ayatollah, that is a Shiite cleric, who is a disciple of the father of Muqtada Sadr. It's got a senior Sunni cleric also on its board, who is the uh, Mufti of one of Iraq's 19 provinces and a Sufi cleric in the Punjab region of Pakistan. And what they've done was to issue a finding that Hamas is illegitimate on the basis of Islamic law because it oppresses a Muslim population, its rule is corrupt, and so on. They cite Whispered in Gaza as essentially the precipitating factor because it triggered a public outcry that led to numerous requests for a fatwa by believing Muslims as to the legitimacy of, or lack thereof, of this ruling clique in Gaza. And essentially, we were contacted by them. They wanted to authenticate the videos. And so we organized a secure private screening of the raw footage of Palestinians in Gaza from which the videos were based.
0: Joseph, have you worked with the Islamic Fatwa Council before?
1: No, never had any engagement with them until we heard from them about uh,
0: this question. That That's really interesting. And that sense of a transsectarian body and the sort of diversity within the Islamic world that that reflects seems to me to resonate quite a lot with what the mission of the Centre for Peace Communications is. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about your organisation and the work that it does.
1: Since you mentioned, I'd like to say that I think that What they did sends a beautiful message both in the Middle East and in the West, because within the Middle East, it punctures Hamas's claim to represent Islam, and rightly so. But in the West, it also sends a message that what Hamas does doesn't represent what a whole lot of Muslims want. And not only that, but Muslim clerics, senior Muslim clerics of both, both sects, are standing up and standing against this as a matter of basic human decency. In doing so, they're plainly reflecting the morality of their faith in the face of those who exploit it to achieve political goals. So to your question about what we do, our focus at the Center for Peace Communications is to promote a culture of peacemaking. For generations, there's been a dynamic where diplomats could become very cozy and trust one another and reach all kinds of solutions to intractable conflicts but not be able to take that solution to their public because of the brainwashing and indoctrination and so on that has been a mainstay of the region's governance for so long and so we work on the level of culture to introduce new ideas into the public discussion through music through Video, through writing and literature, as well as teaching and education, and indeed spiritual and moral leadership to promote a culture of peacemaking. And that is
0: our focus. And that commitment to a culture of peace building leads to some really fascinating collaborations, intellectual and cultural as well. I wonder if you could tell us about some of those projects.
1: Sure, I'll give you two quick examples. One is we brought together musicians from Israel and Tunisia, two countries that do not have formal relations, a Tunisian vocalist of some renown and an Israeli vocalist of Iraqi origin, an Iraqi Jewish vocalist who sings in Arabic. And they wrote a beautiful song together and produced a music video during COVID. They managed to do it all by remote, both because they're not allowed to travel to each other and because nobody could travel anywhere. And so it was a fun COVID project. And the result is a song called Peace Among Neighbors, Salam Jiran. Another example happened recently in Syria, where we essentially organized a knowledge transfer operation, whereby an Israeli Druze engineering teacher taught a bunch of Syrians in that country's northeast to build a roving device that detects landmines. Northeastern Syria has unfortunately thousands of landmines and they found a way together to build these very cheap devices that can help identify them and save lives.
0: It sounds like uh, important and challenging work, Joseph. And in a way, it sort of feels a little countercultural as well, because it does feel like we're living in a time where oppositions are getting more entrenched. I I wonder if you could reflect for us on uh, how long the Centre for Peace Communications has been operating and how optimistic you are about achieving that culture of peacemaking throughout the region.
1: Our organisation was founded four years ago. But our core team is a group that has been functioning organizationally for much longer. It was simply a matter of hanging up a shingle, and we did that in 2019. We are, by nature, optimistic and idealistic. We do work in environments that are unforgiving at times. However, we know that what we do is wanted and welcome by much of the population whose voices are suppressed. And what we're mainly doing is providing a platform for people who want a new way, a different kind of future, and have been denied the opportunity to say so, or organized to pursue that future before. And so it's really, in a way, something that we do in response to popular demand. And that ultimately is the reason why we're
0: optimistic, because people who want this are crawling out of the woodwork. Joseph Browdy, thank you so much for speaking with us on RN. My pleasure. Thank you, Julian. Joseph is the founder of the Centre for Peace Communications, and you can view Whispered in Gaza at peacecoms.org Gaza. Special thanks also to listener and podcaster David Schulberg for telling us about the Whispered in Gaza project. And we might finish up by hearing a little bit of that beautiful piece of music created during COVID as a collaboration through the Centre for Peace Communications. This is Peace Among Neighbours.
2: ده يا اماني بين الجيران <سؤال> انا عربي ولدي يا اماني بين الجيران
3: انا يهودي التوراه كتابي انا يهودي كتابي الرحم تاريخي وضيح أنساني قد أخبر عني التبيان قد أخبر عني التبيان أنا كتابي يا دو أصحابي أنا كتابي يا دو أصحابي لتصلح بين الجران بين
2: الجران شمعوني بكل الأوطان ومسخر افكاري وقلمي يوفق بين
3: برهات وعي لبناء سلام الاوطان سلام الى
2: مشروع السلام كفاءة أرقى و.
3: نمضي معا نحو السلام فعل خير أخي
0: Listen to more great stories that take you beyond the headlines. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.